Dumbassery. Last show, when I was goofing on the Ray J. Kim K. video, I called it the most egregious sex tape ever, specifically for the part where Ray J. talks to the camera and hypes up the people that are about to masturbate to him. Man, Ray J., let me tell you something, mama. When you jacking off to this, and when you really just in your zone, go hard on them, mommy. But even after hearing that, my buddy was like, that's not the most, that's not the most egregious sex tape. And I was like, you told me there's something more egregious than that man not even taking out his gum to tell me he's looking forward to me jacking off with vigor. But apparently, Vern Troyer, aka Mini-Me, put out a sex tape. How have I not heard of this? I'm a huge Austin Powers fan. I love Mini-Me. Vern Troyer was known, she, like, he, he pulled. Like, he got bitches. He got women. Like, and, you know, full-size chicks. And while I don't particularly want to see his cock, I think just for goofing purposes, there might not be a better sex tape to watch. So, some background. Apparently, he did uh, the sex tape with his girlfriend. Uh, this woman's name is Renee Schreider. And she looks like uh, she looks like an emaciated Kim Kardashian a little bit, actually. She looks like Kim Kardashian if she went to the food bank. That kind of physique. There was controversy over the tape. Uh, to the best of what I can surmise, because this was like 15 years ago, and he was a B-celebrity at the time, so there wasn't a ton of coverage of it. This Schreider woman released parts of the tape to TMZ and said she didn't. And then Vern sued her over releasing it uh and he claimed that she was abusive to him but then she claimed that he like pushed her dog and, and did a bunch of other shit the vibe i got was that this schrider woman was not really on the up and up like in one interview she says that she's not a gold digger and she doesn't and she doesn't know why people think she is and then in another interview she goes on about how he's cheap and he never buys her anything nice and that he gave her jewelry from an arcade machine, which is a fucking hilarious move. Regardless, yeah, she said, Vern was so cheap. On Valentine's Day, he phoned from Las Vegas and told me he had bought me a five-carat diamond ring. I was so excited that I had never had a diamond ring before. By the time he got home to Los Angeles, he claimed he had lost it. Uh, in the end, he got me a pair of Puma trainers, but I later found out he got them as a freebie. Well, Puma trainers are nice. Does it matter that it was a freebie? You fucking gold digger. And if somebody's touching my dog, they're not staying around long enough to get me arcade machine jewelry. I don't know, I just, she rubbed me the wrong way. Like, Renee says she felt initially no attraction for Vern, and when he asked for her number at the party, she gave it to him, quote, as a joke. And then in one interview, she, she said that Vern told her that Vern secretly didn't like Mike Myers, which is like a scummy move, because Mike Myers is like the one dude in his career that would consistently give him projects, you know, and it's just like scummy. Her, her actions didn't really ever match up with her words. But I, I don't know why I'm surprised that a woman that released a sex day with a two-foot-eight midget isn't all there. But whoever was lying, whoever was telling the truth, the one reality is that we've got a portion of this tape. Because in the end, all that ever came out was a portion. Let me pull it up here. All right, here we go. Yeah, I am immediately uncomfortable. Um, it's, it's odd, like, because Vern is so small, they're fucking in missionary, right? And he's on top of her, but his head is, like, in her navel. It's almost like a reverse pregnancy type of deal. Alright, I'm gonna turn this up for a second. Guard your ears, because the audio's bad, but she's talking to him, so. Uh, 
she's talking dirty. That's kind of hot. But if you watch the video, she's laying there immobile. Like, you talk about a dead fish. She's at the bottom of the fucking ocean. The fuck? I mean, give, give him something, lady. Fuck. You know what? She's laying in the bed in the exact same way that I do when it's 4 a.m. and I can't fall asleep and I have to be up in three hours. That's the energy she's coming with to this sex tape. Ugh. <laughs> oh, God, his moans, dude. <laughs> I think he fell out of her. He's readjusting. He's repositioning. Oh no. Jesus Christ. I'm so uncomfortable. What the fuck? <laughs> Bro, it sounds like he's deflating. Oh my god. Alright, I think he just finished up. Uh <laughs> He's all out of breath and so am I. Holy shit, dude. He he was like squeaking at the end there. Bro, how do women have sex with dudes? Like, just in general. We have disgusting bodies, disgusting voices. The male form, whether you're two foot, six foot, or eight feet tall, is just gross. Dumbassery. It's time to play a new game. It's called Three Strikes. This game comes from the question, what is a dumbass? It's an important question, at least on this show. I think ultimately there's there's two prongs to dumbass status. I think first you've got to have a general dumbass aura. You've got to, in your daily life, put out into the world dumbass shit. Dr. Phil is a perfect example. Everything he puts into the world reeks of ass. But I think secondarily, and this is where the game comes in, you've got to be able to define three isolated incidents of dumbassery past their general dumbass aura to crown them a dumbass, because it's a very high title. It's hard to achieve. I mean, Dr. Phil, his whole aura, just being an unlicensed doctor who goes on and pokes at crazy people every day, that's dumbass shit. But then there's specific instances of isolated dumbassery that back that up. For example, his ex-wife, Debbie McCall, she said that Dr. Phil forced her to begin lifting weights to improve her bust line. That's strike one. That's a strike. It's a clear dumbass strike. Number two, the paper that he wrote to become a doctor, to become a mental health expert, was entitled... Rheumatoid Arthritis, A Psychological Intervention. I read it, and it's very hacky. That's strike two. And, and strike three, in 2003, Dr. Phil began promoting nutritional supplements, at least until the Federal Trade Commission started investigating them for false advertising. All right, that's dumb. That's dumbass shit. That's strike three. That's three isolated incidents of dumbassery on top of an everyday dumbass aura, right? To be a true dumbass is hard, and you've got to have a lot of criteria on your side to achieve it. Dr. Phil is a certified dumbass. So, will Dr. Oz join him? Does he have a dumbass aura plus three 
isolated incidents of true dumbassery? Let's find out. So if you're not from America, and uh, you might not be, a few listeners are from places like India, New Zealand, uh, the United Kingdom. And I gotta say, I'm sorry that I have to introduce these people to you. I really am. But it has to be done. So Dr. Oz is a TV doctor as well. But he more takes over the the 50-year-old women's health segment of the American audience. He actually quit it to run for Senate, but for like a decade plus he had his own daytime health talk show. And it sounded like this. How many women can relate to this? You've got all kinds of names for it, right? You call it back boobs, bra bulge, rear rolls. Guys don't talk like that. That's like stuff I've got that from my producers, those words. But there are secrets the beauty industry does not want you to know about. The anti-aging products that you buy every day. Lisa Lee Freeman is helping us. She's been doing independent testing and investigating these products. She's the editor-in-chief of Shop Smart Magazine. Now we're going to address some of the most annoying problems as you age. Now first, do you ever have that feeling like get the world's smallest bladder? So it sounds relatively harmless, but our man Mehmet here is not totally upfront. Um, he's been criticized a lot for pseudoscience and promoting alternative medicine and shit on his show, you know, over the past however many years. So much so that there's actually a National Institute of Health article entitled, What's Wrong with Dr. Oz? from Dr. Stephen J. Dell. In it, he says that Oz has done stuff like, has done stuff like have a psychic on the show who claimed that she could communicate with the dead and describing his own reading from television psychic John Edwards, Oz stated, let me tell you, it's changed my life. And I've learned in my career that there are times when science just hasn't caught up with things. And I think this may be one of them. And apparently on another show, he had Dr. Mosaraf Ali on, who is the miracle healer to Sylvester Stallone and uses iridology, a belief that each part of the iris in the eye corresponds to a specific area of the body and a person's state of health can be diagnosed by examining particular regions of the iris. And apparently Oz stated, I want to applaud Dr. Ali because these are ancient traditions and they have been around for centuries. So who am I to dismiss them? I think you're exactly the person to dismiss them. I would love if, like, real doctors went with that that line of thinking, you know? So, Dr. Smith, you're telling me that the Aztec priests opened the chests of their victims and offered their still-beating hearts to the gods in the hopes of a fertile crop season? Have any of these lazy farmers today even tried that? But, like, even, even with the pseudoscience and all of that, I mean, if he was just going to be a, a television doctor, you know, catering to women with back bulges and urinary tract problems. I mean, who gives a shit, really? But the fact that he quit this, I'm sure, high-paying gig to run for Senate deems to me a general aura of dumbassery. Dumbassery. Determination of the first strike starts at this grocery store. And this went viral, so people know about it. But the basis of it is he went into a grocery store and he called a veggie tray crudité, you know, as someone with 18 homes and enough Botox in their face to kill a small Ecuadorian family would naturally do. But the whole point of him going into this grocery store was to talk about the inflation happening in the U.S. And, and of course he failed at it. I just love the whole rich guy trying to act like a normal guy thing. Like you worked your entire life to be very rich and very pompous. And now you're trying to be not that. It's just funny. What gets me is after it went viral... 
And let me preface this by saying that Oz's opponent, if you don't know, is this dude, John Fetterman. And he's had, like, strokes and, like, heart problems or whatever. And right after this happened, Fetterman made a joke on Twitter or something. He was like, hey, Oz, you know, in, in uh, Philly, we call this a veggie tray, you know, not crudité. And one of Oz's campaign members, Rachel Tripp, was quoted as saying in an interview, if John Fetterman had ever eaten a vegetable in his life, then maybe he wouldn't have had a major stroke and wouldn't be in the position of having to lie about it constantly. That's Rachel Tripp, Oz's senior communications advisor. Fetterman uh, then responded, I had a stroke, I survived it. I know politics can be nasty, but even then, I could never imagine ridiculing someone for their health challenges. Well, you see, uh, Fetterman is a classy guy, but I am not. And I went and I looked up this Rachel Tripp lady, and talk about the pot calling the kettle a fat ass. This bitch needs a veggie tray just as much as Fetterman does. This bitch needs a carrot, at, at minimum, for her horse-looking ass. But when, I, when, when you put the two together, the crudité and keeping the company of just a dumb bitch, I think that's strike one. But to put a bow on this strike, I mean, there's nothing I hate more than PR, but there's especially nothing I hate more than PR that tries to insult your intelligence. This uh, Rachel Tripp, as in she needs to trip on a fucking salad, tried to backtrack and said, uh, Dr. Oz has been urging people to eat more veggies for years. That's not ridicule. It's good health advice. We're only trying to help. If that's your help, lady, that's dumb. That's dumb. It's dumbass her. This one's just goofy. I love this next one. And I think it's going to have to be a strike. So apparently people are like, uh, are, are weary of Oz because... They don't know that he's a real Pennsylvanian. He was born in New Jersey. He's got homes all over. Which makes it even funnier that he didn't take the time to correctly spell the name of the town in Pennsylvania that he's living in on his official Senate declaration form. I mean, that's just... There's only one word to describe it. Like, while it's a minor thing, I actually feel like in a town like this it wouldn't be because he wrote it as Huntington Valley and it's hunting Don Valley, Din Valley, whatever. I feel like if you're like a resident of that city, you'd be very picky and sensitive about that specific distinction because everybody that doesn't live there for real gets it wrong, which he did. But I bet you he spells coup de tay right. It's got the little fucking French thing over the eye. But I mean, like, Fetterman's not, you know, innocent in all this. I really, this has been like a, a, a campaign of memes and jokes and barbs. It's like, I fucking hate that in politics, man. Like, I understand that going after your opponent in any way possible has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. But there's just something about politicians making memes and, and roasting on social media. It's just like, politics should be boring. It should be a bunch of stuffy old fuckers in a room debating the budget. It shouldn't be like this. Because people that are with that kind of shit probably don't have your best interest at hand. Am I just too, am I, am I being too sensitive? Like, uh, for example, because Fetterman has, has been kind of dodgy, you know, since his stroke, Oz has posted uh, memes, quote, including a missing person notice for Fetterman on milk cartons, on milk cartons, and a view upcoming events button on his website that evades any attempt to click on it. 
I mean, that's funny. But if you're taking the time to hire comedians for your staff, are you going to have any bandwidth left when it comes time to talk about that 978-page bill on your desk? Simply put, I don't want my politician to have jokes. I don't want my politician to be funny. Sit in the fucking room and be boring. I mean, maybe they, they feel backed up against the wall and they feel they have to do this kind of shit to get votes. Uh, and I guess that's a greater commentary on people. But, uh, Jesus Christ. So, I went looking for the final strike on this man. I found different stuff, but it had to be good, you know? To be a certified dumbass is rare. It's certainly worth more than a Harvard degree in my book. And I think I found it. The third strike. This is from uh, New York Magazine. To me, hypocrisy is synonymous with dumbassery. And I think our friend Mehmet here being a little hypocritical. He posted, uh, he or his campaign posted a kind of like an attack ad saying that freeloading Fetterman was handed his house for a dollar. Nowadays, a dollar can't buy you too much. A soda, a Twinkie, maybe a pack of gum. But for freeloading Fetterman, you can buy a house. Freeloading Fetterman. Thank goodness for daddy's deep pockets. I love that. Thank goodness for daddy's deep pockets. Like, this is literally the Putin strategy. Like, he goes to war with Ukraine, and he says he's trying to denazify them when the president of Ukraine is, is a Jew. Like, it's, it's that such bold-faced, grotesque, intelligence-insulting lying. And it's like, how do people fall for it? Fetterman himself describes his upbringing as, quote, cushy. But, bro, you don't want to get into an argument over who's the rich guy here. I mean, come on. But basically, the reason this is funny is because Oz is currently living in uh, his in-law's house while another one of his houses gets renovated. And uh, an NBC News property record search showed that the candidate's mother-in-law, Emily Lamole, also bought her home in the Bryn Athen neighborhood for $1 in August of 2000. The appraised value currently stands at 509000 That's got to be strike three. You make an attack ad about living in a house in the very same way that you are? It's dumbassery, and I think, uh, Oz, you're a certified dumbass. Dumbassery. I've realized over the past, like, year, like, I've become so passive about sex and relationships in my life. Like, you know this, I'm watching The Sopranos right now, <clears throat> and there's tons of sex scenes in it, right? And... It's going to sound weird, but when two characters on a show start kissing, I look away. I, I look away. Like, I avert my eyes. Talk about intimacy issues. I can't watch a sex scene on a television show. What is that? But do people enjoy these, these sex scenes, man? Am I the only one that's just, like, grossed out? Like, I just watched this one scene where the, the main character, Tony Soprano, was fucking this car dealer girl. And he's just, like, mauling her with his ham hands. And you could see his fucking thighs gyrating. And he's got the fucking jello pudding snack love handles just flopping all over. And I'm just like, bro, 
I'm not trying to see essentially myself in the mirror fuck this chick right now. You know? Over the HBO Max airwaves. Tell you this much. When I write my television show, it's gonna be dudes fucking dudes only. Dumbassery. The other problem is, like, I'm a fat fucking piece of shit loser. And whenever I watch television, I'm eating. Right? And here's the thing. Like, food, for me, food and sex do not mix. Right? Now, I'm, now in, whether in real life or on a television show, if, if, I'm, if I'm, like, looking at titties, I'll eat through that. Fine. They're always showing titties on The Sopranos. I'll eat through that. That's easy. But sex scenes? When you're trying to eat and there's a sex scene that comes on, it lowers the quality of your eating experience, okay? Because they're making weird kissing noises. And now, you, now you're thinking to yourself, geez, I wonder if the guy that plays Tony Soprano has a boner right now. And then you're like, I wonder who this woman is. I've never seen her or anything else. I'd love to see her ass. At that point, I mean, what? Now, now I'm uh, practically jerking off. Now I'm trying to eat this plate of lasagna, and I'm hungry, horny, and depressed. Dumbassery. I'm historically, like, not great with women. And it's totally my doing, just because I'm a self-conscious guy, you know? But there, there's no fucking reason for me to be. It's, it's, all, it's all in my own head. I mean, you put me in front of, like, several people, or you put me in front of a, a large crowd, or you put me in front of another dude, whatever. Great, I'm fine. But with girls, bro, no matter who, it's very hit or miss. Sometimes I'm, like, on, and it's easy, and it works. And when I'm off, I'm like, why am I off? Because it's always me, bro. Whenever I'm talking to a girl, I'm thinking about myself twice as hard <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm putting effort into the conversation itself. Like, I'm so in my own world in, in situations like that that I'm not even able to just be a fucking human. And it's tiring, man. So, I mean, I don't think I give myself enough credit. I mean, I'm one of these types of people that I'm immediately... Negative, like in the moment negative. You know, I'm judging or analyzing the situation as it's happening, as it's progressing. How do you win when, when that's what you're doing? How do you consistently hold relationships when that's what you're doing? When that's your MO is to overanalyze it as it's happening, to overanalyze it to the point where you can't even perform as yourself. You know, you're performing against yourself, essentially. It's definitely a barrier that I, that I put up. And so, like, it's on me to, you know, remove that barrier. Uh, I was in a situation with this girl, and I couldn't for the life of me figure out why she liked me so much. As fucking sixth grade bullshit as that sounds, I couldn't fucking figure it out. I was like, okay, this person is just, this girl is smart. She makes a lot of money. What is what is her game here, right? Somebody said something to me along the lines of, other people don't see you the way you see yourself. And so you're wondering why she's not seeing you as you see you. Because the way you see you, of course she wouldn't want to be with you. But she doesn't see you the way that you see you. And other people don't see you the way that you see you. And that was like mind-blowing. I don't know if that's a, a revelation for other people, but it was a revelation for me. And I think that's something I just got to carry with me, you know, every day because it's like, it's a constant battle for for me to not feel like everything is shit, everything is bad, and for me to not feel like I've got to be working harder for people to be on my side or, or appreciate me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I make it way harder than it has to be.
I mean, like, okay, so the sexy thing, I'm mostly joking, right? But there is that part of me that's like, bro, I'm not trying to watch sex. I'm not trying to see it. I, I just, I don't, I'd rather put it off than think about it. Because right now I'm just in a weird zone with it, you know? Uh, this got real. You want to hear a knock-knock joke? Knock-knock. Who's there? The bill collector. I'm not home. Hey, dumbass. There's the episode. It was a good one this week. I'm scarred forever from having to edit through Vern Troyer's sex moans, but it turned out to be an okay bit, so I'm satisfied. Uh, the hate bracket will return next week with uh, one of two final matchups before the hate finals. Uh, if you like the episode, please uh, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow the show at Pod on all platforms. See you next Tuesday. Mm-hmm.